Welcome to Optimal Self, the art of becoming the best version of you. Join us as we talk with extraordinary people who are on the journey to living to their optimal self. We dive deep into their minds to learn what they do on a daily basis to create optimal results. They share their tools and insights so you can implement them into your own life to become the best version of you. Here's your host, Jeremy Herriter. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Optimal Self Conversations, where we talk to incredible people who through adversity, grit, and persistence are forging the path to being the best version of themselves. And you are so lucky because they join us to give you the tools to do the same. Today, you guys are in for a treat. This is an author, therapist, life coach, Serge Prangle. He has developed a proactive and a mindful approach to personal growth. Those of you guys that know me, those listeners that are here, you know, as soon as his name came across my desk and I got to see who he was, I was excited to have this conversation. So, Serge, thanks for joining us. How are you today, buddy? Great, great. It feels nice. You know, I like the vibes uh, as we're starting and the sense of setting it up as, you know, our interaction is to bring out the best of ourselves in the exchange. And that feels great. That's a very nice way to, to start. I love it. I love it. So our audience is, is I think I told you this in the pre-show, they, they love to get to know the human. So give us a little background on you and where did you come from? How did you get into coming on to this journey of this mindful approach and, and being the therapist and helping others? Where does this all start for you? Well, it started with difficulties. It started with the difficulties I encountered in my life. And basically coming to the sense that every difficulty could be something that I really complain about, see as something that's a roadblock and feel is unfair, or it could actually be kind of an entryway, a gateway into exploring something from there. And, you know, time and again, you'd think I'd learn my lesson the first time, but time and again, I forget it. You know, it's just it applies to this, but not to that. And it applies to this and that, but not the new one. And, you know, keep going and then discover, you know, after all, you know, it's part of a path is that, you know, you just first start to feel blocked, then you rise to the occasion and it feels great. Yeah, I mean, it. I think that everybody listening, and I know myself included, is in that same. I always say the term where when we get the honor to have somebody on the show, or even if there's somebody as a mentor that we're following, somebody like yourself who's written books and has a practice and all these other things, is that we see them at this point like on top of the mountain. But I always tell our clients, I always tell our audience, nobody falls on top of the mountain, right? Mm -hmm. Like. There is a massive climb and probably a refall and a climb and a refall to get there. And that's kind of what you were saying is that it all goes back to the difficulties. You said something really interesting is I can look at it as a roadblock or an entryway. So how do you reframe that from time to time? Because again, to me, that is a skill. And I, in our coaching and in our programs, we talk about it a lot. I always say that, look, focus is a choice refocus is a skill. Yeah. Right. So how do you, how do you reframe that? How do you look at that difficulty and get out of that roadblock or victim mentality and get into, Hey, this is a gift and, and an entryway to something new. When it's relatively easy, anybody can, 
you know, and when you get into a bigger obstacle, a bigger roadblock, then you forget it. I think what helps is repeated experience. And so you forget it in the moment. You say, well, it applied to this and this and this, but not this thing here. It's this is this really a real roadblock. And then you go back and you say, well, I thought that the same way before, the first time, the second time, the third time, and I gave it some time. Isn't it worth it to try it? Maybe deep down, I don't believe that it's possible. But what do I have to lose by trying it? You know, it's kind of the, uh, you go by faith, but it's educated faith. It's not just something that you repeat as a slogan to say, I can, you know, I, no obstacle is a real obstacle for me. I can overcome anything. No, you, you're very aware of how human you are, how fallible you are, how things are difficult. But you just say, you know, if I give myself a little chance, what do I have to lose? That is something I think is very important. And you you said two things in there that I want the, the listener to really take hold of. And the, the way that I like to, to say it, and, and maybe you can even elaborate a little bit, is, is when we have those roadblocks or when we have those stumbling parts of our life, a lot of times it comes down to the willingness to change in ways, but also not even so much change is the willingness to learn. Mm-hmm. Because if if I'm not getting what I want, if I, if it's a business and my business isn't hitting where I want it to hit, or or we're not doing well, it's not necessarily not sometimes. Yeah, sometimes it's the product or the service, and we got to revamp and things like that. But there's a lot of times where it's just something that I need to learn to get us over the hump. What I love for the listener to understand is that look, we all have roadblocks. Those roadblocks in your life, right? Getting to the point where you wrote books about it is that you found it and then you said, how do I overcome it? So it's yeah. something that you needed to learn so that you could change behavior so that the behavior now changes the result. Yep. I call my practice and my website Active Pause. And there's a reason for it. It's because all the things I have learned is from circumstances where I had to pause. It might seem when you tell the story, it's like, oh, yeah, it's nice. You take a pause, you learn, and wow, it's amazing. You refocus. But the moment it happens is actually painful because you pause not because you want to in those cases. You pause because you're forced to. And uh, the last thing in the world you want to do is to pause. But, you know, then you realize this is actually what's giving me a chance to look at it in a different way. You know, if I keep looking at it the same way I used to look at it, then I'm going to come back with the same solutions, which does not work. And so this is the painful moment of deconstructing all of the certainties that I had about how to go forward. You know, and they worked in lots of ways. So it's very hard to let go of them because if you let go of them, there's the idea that, oh, my God, you know, I have nothing to hang on to. But this is a new situation, and the new situation forces you to look at it in a different way because the old ways don't work. And so I I want to really emphasize that there is an emotional cost to it. You know, it's difficult. It's painful. It's scary, you know, when that happens. 
it's not something that you have, oh, you know, hey, wow, wow, this is so nice and come. But, you know, the, the being confronted to something you cannot deal with is scary. And so it's not an intellectual adventure. It's an emotional adventure. The concept of having faith in yourself and trusting is not something that you can force, but it's something that requires going through the emotional journey of being confronted with that sense of, I don't know, and how am I going to do it? But that's where creativity comes up, you know, and that's where also strength comes up. Well said. I, I, you said something previous before you just explained it very eloquently, but you said in, in the form of belief, it's educated faith. Yeah. And I think that's a really strong position or a great reframe again is to take ourselves away. We have uh, have a coin. I've taught this for a long time and I literally call it the optimal self-belief coin. And I use it and I show it to people because on one side of the coin, and this is always right, if we're building something, right, you get a coaching client, you get somebody who wants to doesn't even lose weight, be more healthy, have a big business, have a better relationship. And you you build a, either a plan, some kind of process, or you put a system in place. So it's plan, process, and system on this side of the coin. And that side of the coin, and when you go through it and you build it out and you get their goals and you talk about it, you really, you really hone in on what's important to them. And you say, okay. And I say, okay, Serge, here it is. Here's the plan moving forward. Here's the system that we're going to put in place. And here's the process that we're going to follow to get you where you want to go. Do you believe, right? Educated faith. Do you believe in this plan? process and system. And almost without fail, it's very rare and thousands of people that, that we've worked with that they actually say, yeah, yeah, that I believe wholeheartedly that that will work. The yes, done that way, that system in place, that process, that plan. And I say, great, because this coin, and I literally turn it over, has another side of belief. This side is, do you believe that you are worthy, capable, and deserving of what that plan, process, and system will get you. You see, because that's the point where most people don't look at. Because here, I tell everything, ladies and gentlemen, that diet that you know has a name on it, whatever it is, paleo, intermittent fasting, you name it, they have thousands of them now. But truth is, if you're overweight and you have really bad nutrition habits, all of them work. They do because they're going to take, it does not take a rocket science to understand that eating a Big Mac or eating some egg whites and avocado, that if you eliminate one and add the other, you're, you're going to get results. Like it's true. It's very, very true. All these things have, have some benefit. They're, they're usually not lasting because you can't follow them forever because it's not a lifestyle change. It's a diet. But my point is this. Most people will follow that plan to get to a result and then they get the result and then they stop following the plan or they sabotage along the way because they forgot to ask the question, do you believe you are worthy, capable and deserving of that? You see, when they don't change their identity and they don't believe they're worthy of that money, that weight loss, that body, whatever. 
then they sabotage and they go right back to their to their own true subconscious identity that they've built. Right. What you're describing, you know, I might have different words to describe it, but I think there's a lot of similarity, is a sense of asking yourself, what is your relationship to what you're doing? And then taking it from there. And so I like the idea that you think of it in terms of self, because you cannot make changes if you're not involving yourself. So it's not just that you happen to put in a box a certain number of McDonald's or a certain number of, uh, as you said, uh, egg whites and avocado toast. But what you're doing is you are actually in the process of changing yourself by taking on new habits. Each time, it's a, you know, each decision is a difficult moment. And if you live it as something mechanical, that you're just doing this, you know, like by rote. Basically, you're not changing yourself. And in fact, you have a relationship with what you're doing that is passive and victimized because you're following some kind of a dictate, you know, oh, this is how you should eat. But on the other hand, if you experience it as something that is, you know, this is how moment by moment I make decisions that are changing me then uh, by the time you have done your diet, you know, you have actually changed you uh, and you have the new you. It's like you have clothes that fit who you are at the end of the diet because the emotional clothes are actually fitting the person you are as opposed to just having been some kind of a, you know, journey in a tunnel in the dark. Yes. Well, yeah, I love how you put that because that's a really important piece is being in relationship with the goals so that they do become you. And I always use the term identity and, and the way I always unveil it to people or even, or even reverse engineer is that we always look at that result, right? We, we, we have a result. I want to make a million dollars, whatever that I want to lose 20 pounds. It doesn't matter. And we have this end result, but what happens is, okay, this result is driven by the behavior, right? Mm -hmm. That behavior is driven by your belief system in the plan process and, and yourself. And ultimately your beliefs are shaped by your identity, who you believe you are, right? right? Who you believe you are, not what your parents said, not what the people around you said, not what social media, like who you truly believe you are. And so we have to get back to, and I love what you said is that we, those emotional clothes change as we're doing it. So maybe you can add to this. There's a confidence that's built through doing the right things, right? When you right. wake up and you, right. you actually have integrity and you do what you say you're going to do, confidence is built. And I always say confidence is only earned. I think that's a key point when you say confidence is earned, you know, because uh, it's not, you don't have that confidence necessarily, or most of the time, you don't have that degree of confidence when you start. So you may start with the plan and you're not going to have confidence. And in some ways, you're right not to have confidence because you haven't done it yet. So it's an experiment. It's not a question of having to be a true believer when you do a change. It's really something that's a, an experiment that you do and you say, I'm going to give myself some benchmarks to say if something happens and I see it going in the right direction, then it's going to build my confidence in doing that. Uh, if I don't see it going anywhere, maybe I need to try something else. But the true believer stuff is not really working because you're not participating. You're, you're passive. 
That's you know? right. And man, that is such a great point. I, I, I want the listener to, I mean, go back and rewind that for a second, because I want you guys to understand is that nobody walks in as the true believer because you haven't earned the right to believe it yet. No, we, we teach ourselves that, right? We, yeah. we teach yeah. ourselves by us. You, you said it before, is that, you know, we need different eyes. And there was something that I read. I wanted to read it because it, it, it came off uh, your website or something. It said the original 12 steps of AA were built around a powerful idea. And the idea is when faced with a seemingly intractable problem, you have to give up trying to force change through willpower. The way to solve it, the problem is to change the structure of your life, which, again, means that I, willpower is not going to get me there. <laughs> it's, it's I got to change the behavior in order for the result to change, right? To cure or help with the problem that I'm that I'm currently facing. Yeah. So it's really a sense of um, working with your environment and designing an environment that helps you accomplish your goals. You know, and uh, and a great analogy is what they have at the beach. You know, when they say there's a danger of riptide. And when there is a riptide, if what you do is you go right, right against the current, uh, essentially the current is stronger than you and you're going to get exhausted and die. And what they go is you say you kind of follow the current with gently edging toward the beach. And so the current is helping you. You know, so it's not a question. The willpower would be, hey, you know what? The riptide is blocking me. I'm going to go against it and I'm golly, I'm going to do it. And sometimes it works if you have an opponent that's, that's, you know, weak enough to do that. But when something is really strong and habits are really very strong, especially deeply ingrained habits, you know, and they're very connected to all parts of how we think of ourselves and how we are, how we experience ourselves. So then what you do is you swim with it and you dance with it so that you help the energy lead you where you want to go. Man, how many of us out there are literally doing exactly what you're saying is we're going against the tide. We're just trying to fight our way through it as opposed to just getting in alignment with it and letting us let it lead us to where we want to go and, and making those changes along the way. It's like the airplane, right? Is it, yeah. there's a pilot in there and all he's doing is course correcting. He's not actually flying the plane, right? right. He's just course correcting And how many of us are trying to like physically fly the plane as opposed to just sitting back, realizing where we're going and, and again, so we have we must have some form of destination, right? Yeah. We must have yeah. an yeah. idea, some clarity on where we want to go, or better yet, who we want to be. Yeah. Because that's an even stronger place than, you know, saying, hey, I want to make $10 million. Okay, great. But who do you become in the process? And now yeah. we make those great adjustments along the way, and ultimately the results become what they are. I think that's a very nice point I want to emphasize. You say not just the goal in the sense of, say, I want to make $10 million, but who you want to be, okay? That's, again, something that I think the pause, you know, the, that concept of active pause is very useful. You take a pause and you just ask yourself, who do I want to be? And what does it feel like inside? 
Okay. And so, for instance, you might notice, you know, in my daily life, the inside feels like something that's a little scrunched up. And you realize, you know, what I want to be is I want to be in a place where I feel like I'm occupying space. And so you, you stay, you know, that pause, that mindful pause, you know, is very active because you just go in yourself and ask yourself, how would it feel like inside if I was taking more space in the world? And you start to notice, you know, that ever so slightly, your spine is elongating a little bit, not maybe so much that people would necessarily see it, but you kind of feel it a little bit, you know, like it's, it's, and you feel like, you know, your, your shoulders are opening up a little bit. And as you're doing that, you know, and you stay with that posture, for instance, you start to say, oh, you know, the way I speak, the tone of my voice, you know, is different in that posture than it is when I'm more slumped. You know, and you notice um, that, you know, not just the tone of voice, but the choice of words and the sentence structure becomes and takes, you know, more of a, uh, you know, kind of a more of a sense of purpose. It's more of a sense of direction. And so uh, then you get that pause, you know, as something that you use as some kind of a compass, you know, to say, am I where I want to be or not? not just in terms of the goal, but in terms of how it feels inside. And so moment by moment, you know, these kinds of pauses help you monitor how you are in your journey of transformation, you know, toward who you want to be. And that the beauty of it is a transformation is organic because it's not something that you're force feeding, but that's something that is growing moment by moment as you interact with experience and it feels good. You know, so it's not, you know, eat your spinach or eat your medicine that tastes bad and it's good because it tastes bad. But, you know, you're going toward your better self, your optimal self, if you want, from the sense of it feels good to be there. Uh, There's so many, there's so much gold in there for people is that earlier on you said you have designed the environment, right? Is because the environment for sure matters. But when you were just talking right now, Serge, it dawned on me is that the environment, you know, yeah, it could be where we sit in the walls that we sit, the people that we're around, all those things, like the, that kind of environment. But what you just described was our internal environment, meaning you said the tone, right? Because again, they hear our voice right now. Everybody who's going to get to listen to this is they hear our tone. Yeah. But what is the tone in my own head when I'm sitting alone in my mindful pause? When I'm in that moment, what is the tone? What are the words I'm using? What is my posture? How is my breath? All of those things you just described is me, again, designing the environment, but it's the internal environment. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So powerful. I mean, you do a little experiment, you know, just mm-hmm. for instance, go like go in a slumping and, you know, put your head down and shallow breathing. Mm-hmm. And from that place, you try to say, I'm happy and confident. And how does it sound? You know, and so uh, you can use all the wonderful affirmations in the world. But if you're doing it from that place, basically the message that you're hearing is I'm a big fake who is trying to pretend that I am confident because actually I'm not. And so 
you kind of change the environment and you cultivate the ability to pay attention to what's happening inside. And that gives you a sense of who you are truly at that moment. And you're the best self that you can be at that moment because you're in touch with who you are. You know, and that is giving you the strengths to make the changes you need. And that I think that's such a great place for people to understand is I am my best self in that moment. The moments change, right? Is that yeah. again, because we hit those roadblocks that we spoke of, you know, early in the conversation is that, you know, there's other, there's going to be things that get thrown at us. <laughs> I always tell people, it's like, we do our nightly intentions and one of our one of my statements is is the power of tomorrow starts with my intention of tonight. Mm-hmm. And what I want people to understand is that look at that schedule, look at those big rocks, look at those things that have to get done tomorrow, and then I can plan out. So I start to I start to remove some of that overwhelm because I see what my day looks like. Right, the power of tomorrow starts with my intention of tonight. Right, is that right. when I looked at my schedule of today. And I had a couple meetings this morning. I'm going to meet with you this afternoon. Is that those are all things that now I know they're coming. I can prep. I can prepare. I get myself ready to go so that each and every one of those things gets me at my best, gets me at 100% of me because they all deserve it. And at that moment, what's happening is you're facing reality. Okay, so in that sense, you're already in the moment of interacting reality. You're rehearsing the interaction, but you're taking an active role in facing reality at that moment. And, you know, that's why it's interesting, like the the 12 steps were originally written for alcoholics, you know, and people who abuse substances. But the when I, I changed the process, I called it the proactive 12 steps because it's for everybody. It's using that principle of actually facing reality, not denial, but engaging with reality in a way that is really present and that is real, that you find yourself moment by moment as you do that. You know, it's not waiting for some time in the future where you're going to be different, but moment by moment, you practice finding yourself and making decisions that are mindful and proactive. And so you build your life that way. I love it. And and that's a learned behavior, right? Like we were talking about behavior, we're talking about take action, but but that's learned. We don't, no one's teaching that, right? You're not taught that ever is to be, you you hear terms like, you know, be in the moment, but what does that really mean? Because all of us get there in different ways. Hey listeners, it's Jeremy. Just wanted to say thank you so much for listening. And I wanted to take a quick break from the episode and remind you that at www.optimalself.today, you can gain access to our free, did I say it, free identity creator course, plus right now two bonus downloads that will forever change the way you go to bed and wake up in the morning. Did I mention that this is all free? It is for a limited time. Thank you guys again for listening. And again, the website is www.optimalself.today. Now let's get right back to the episode. You gave some questions earlier that I think were, were, were really great is that in that active pause is that, that pause of 
asking the question, right? Like, well, how am I feeling? Why is this moment important to me? How do I always ask myself, how do I want to show up today? It's one of my morning rituals. In that sense, even if you don't have the best question, having a question, you're already way ahead of the game. Because what we were talking about before is engaging the self. So how are you present? And so you have a guest. You ask this guest, you know, how are you feeling? What is it you want? You know, how does it feel to do this or that? Do you want more coffee? You know, but basically it's engaging in order to establish a connection. So the asking questions is the most important part. And then as you do that, you develop better questions. But you're already a wonderful, off to a wonderful start when you just say like the pause is the moment to be active and to ask yourself these questions because then you start engaging. And then, you know, the self grows. You become more present. We are so good. And again, we have a lot of uh, parents. We have a, one of our hashtags is generational habits. And, and the reason is because people always talk. Uh, we have a lot of CEOs and, and high performers talking about generational wealth and building wealth and those kind of things. What's interesting is that most families that are most generational wealth when it's left is gone by the second generation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when you look at it from that perspective, you're like, whoa, why is that? Well, it's because the wealth was handed down. The habits that got the wealth were not, right? And so when you say that, and when you talk, even when you say right now is it would, would, would spawn that is we're so good, even as parents, for the most part of asking, you know, what the kids need or what, or again, when we're hosting a party is a perfect example making sure that everybody's okay, asking what they need. Can I get them something else? How are you feeling? Oh, let me take, like, what if we just took that active pause? I, I think people should grab their phone right now. And I think they should put an, an alarm for somewhere in the middle of their day uh -huh. that comes up and everybody put active pause on there and then ask yourself that question. How are you doing? How are you feeling in this moment? What's happening right now? Imagine if that happens and we check in with ourselves and be like, oh my gosh. And you notice fantastic. that simply asking the question is a way to say you matter. Yeah. You know, how, how you are matters. Okay. And if you don't matter to yourself, who are you going to matter to? Mm. And how are you going to treat people when you don't matter to yourself? So that's, that's that connection that's so important. That is it. That is, the, that is the, the truth of self is how are you ever going to matter to somebody else if you don't matter to yourself? Such great things. Serge, man, I am honored that you're here. I'm, I, I wish we had more time, but I, I always want to end the show. You'll see it come up and they're called quick hitters. And I ask the same two, I give the same two words to everybody that comes on the show because I just... I feel like it just really shows who they are and what they are. And so the first word, and again, it's just however it hits you, whatever it means to you, maybe in your life or in your business or whatever. But the first word that we share, and I'd love to know your take, is discipline. Where is it? How do you see it? What does that mean to you? How does that affect your life? So I have a mixed relationship with discipline. Um, there's a part of me that sees discipline as something that almost a synonym with harsh, 
and imposed by others and depriving me. And I have also learned that actually it is something that I can give myself as something that is very much a structure that helps me do what I want to achieve. So the same way as I was saying about building an environment, it's like building a solid house uh, that's going to be better at sheltering me than something that's flimsy. You know, as a kid, discipline meant I was in trouble. And as an adult, <laughs> it's, it's how I can structure things and make sure. So that's, I love it. It's great. Um, and the final word is impact. And I say impact in when you hear the word impact, how does that feel and what impact do you want to leave uh, on the people? I like the idea that all of us have impact on people that if we take full space for who we are, you know, not pretending to be bigger than we are or pretending to be somebody we're not, but to the extent that we are really who we are, then we have an effect on other people. And having an effect does not mean that they say, oh, this is a wonderful person or, you know, I look up to this person, but just that, you know, you touch them because you exist and a human being to other human being. And so I think it's a very wonderful, moving thing to do, that we can have an impact on each other. And I, for instance, appreciate in this conversation a sense that, uh, you know, the way we were talking has a sense of each person talking and listening to the other and making the other feel heard while at the same time adding something of their own that enriches the connection. So that very much for me is an experience of impact. Well said. And, and I feel the same. I'm, I'm grateful for the conversation and, and I'm, I'm really excited for the people to hear because I, you, your insights in so much in regards to the relationship to our, to ourselves and to our goals and checking in with ourselves. And I mean, literally if they, People that are hearing this, if they'll just take that moment daily for an active pause, how much that can truly change our lives. Because when we're in touch with ourselves, it gives us the ability to be in touch with others. And so, Serge, we're better for it. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. I'm super grateful. I really enjoyed that conversation. (laughs) Thank you. Awesome, Serge. So, ladies and gentlemen, until next time, get out there and be the best version of you. Subscribe to Optimal Self wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. For more information on how to be the best version of you, visit OptimalSelf.today and follow at OptimalSelf1 on Facebook, at Optimal underscore Self on Instagram, and subscribe to Optimal Self on YouTube. Thank you for listening.